When you're so good at refereeing, you get promoted to a position where you're no longer allowed to referee. It's that so MLS. <laughs> with myself, Nick Thornton, and with me is my long-lost friend, Andrew Bates. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing great celebrating the career of Mark Geiger um, and, uh, and all of its hilarious ups and downs uh, here so, in 2019. So many tears shed today. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's been good. Uh, I last spoke with you when I was in BC. Uh, I got laid up in a hotel in Toronto for a day because there was, uh, because there was flight issues. Um, oh, right, yeah. but, uh, but I've now resumed my normal post-holiday life. We entered 2019. Uh, I sang this year by the Mountain Goats about four times. um and now i'm ready to go there's a there's a lot of a lot has happened um and it feels like we had this uh we only had kind of the one episode post and we had the post mls cup episode and then the one episode that happened over christmas and i feel that i feel that like uh we're already halfway through the postseason there's a little bit of there's it's a little bit longer still we're not at the true halfway mark, but it's like I everything that just happened a month ago is now last year. Yeah, in absolutely. a very real sense. Yeah, uh, in a very literal but also abstract way, it feels like a year ago that we were talking about the unbeatable Atlanta and what the heck is MLS going to look like next year. Now it's all ancient history, but there's still a lot of question marks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is okay? So the first, I think the big, uh, the biggest change that that happened all at once um, is that the Columbus screw de- uh, deal got made. Um, the Haslam's are now in control of the uh, the Haslam family that owns the, the Cleveland Browns are now in control of the club. Um, they yeah. moved very swiftly. Uh, in signing away the Toronto FC GM Tim Bezpachenko, um, and uh, uh, ceaseless drifter uh, Caleb Porter, who mm-hmm. <laughs> had been uh, who had been Portland Timbers manager, I think um, he's been uh, just camped on a beach somewhere. Yeah, no, just enjoying life, just living life. You can't uh, as as day. As like in your first week or two as owners, you can't make uh, uh, a more determined move in your front office than than signing to a, a coach and a GM with with recent championship experience and with Ohio connections as well, which I think is is the thing where the crew fans are not just excited because of course they have ownership, they get to keep their club. There's a lot of good things in the wind as it were, on the wind, in the wind, uh, for them, but also keeping the Ohio connection close. Of course, Caleb Porter isn't from Ohio, but from his Akron days, um, has some experience in the state, seems very happy to be there. Um, and part of the, I think now we're beginning to see part of the reason why his negotiations with LA Galaxy broke down is uh, the crew really swept in and clearly wanted their guy and did whatever they could to get him in. So um, massive changes for them. And it seems, I mean, I can only imagine as a uh, Columbus Crew supporter, but for, for, even from where we're sitting, I mean, the conversations we were having back about Columbus, even in June, 
of last year seems like a lifetime ago now and and what a sea change for them and and really just an unprecedented story in sports that this club was saved really by uh, a group of passionate fans yeah absolutely and, and hopefully that creates more of a of a link between the club and the fans uh, a stronger link um the it goes without saying i saw this post um from from Dwayne Rollins that like they're celebrating it and they're sort of talking about it as a uh like as a positive not a the new owners are like oh we love you guys but it almost feels like almost in a sec a sense they're slipping back into MLS fans' PR speak, you know, where it's like this isn't just like this is a triumph for the Columbus fans. But this was also really, really traumatic and it shouldn't have happened. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I that think, was his you know, point. Yeah. They have every right to celebrate. Um, and I, I admire them for being able to, to embrace this victory and, and really hope for the future. And certainly things seem very bright in the future, but it can't be overstated how, uh, how bleak it was looking. And, you know, today with the big press conference and having Don Garber there sort of being like, oh, yes, everything happened according to plan. You're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, you uh, few short months ago, you were very keen to have this club move and shit talking, you know, the city for and the and essentially the fan base for not getting behind the team enough. And now the key this, business uh, indicators are now there. Yeah, exactly. And it's the we, money. we may have short memories as soccer fans. But they ain't that short. <laughs> well, um, I didn't remember that uh, the Ohio link to uh, Caleb Porter, although now that you mentioned that he played for Akron, I remember hearing that detail in pretty much every uh, game against every Whitecaps Timbers game I've watched in the last uh, in the in the years of which he was coaching. Um, yeah, so that makes sense. Uh, the the sort he was of the coach care- of uh, University of Akron. The the Akron Did Zips. He, he play? Yeah. Um. The. The, the carousel that, that took place with, with Bezpachenko um, and Ali Curtis, who moved from the uh, assistant ranks in New York Red Bulls to TFC to, to take that GM job, uh, is something I'm interested in because this, what Bezpachenko did over the time that he was, like, like I, I think it's not a huge, as, as great as he's been for Toronto, the job for Toronto right now is not the job that it was when he arrived, mm-hmm. um, which is to, like, you know, meticulously construct the squad from the ground up, which I think is going to be his role in Columbus. Um, I think that's telling to what Toronto was looking for when it got him uh, and, and what the strategy was in getting him uh, came in the replacement, Ali Curtis, because before... Bezpachenko came to Toronto. He worked in the player relations office of MLS. And before Curtis worked with the New York Red Bulls, he worked in the player relations office of MLS. Um, presumably with Bezpachenko, but I don't know that for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And the strategy that I would identify in those two moves, and in Columbus's move in signing Bezpachenko, is this is a league with an arcane rule set where people often find out about the, the 
the specificities of rules as soon as they are only when they are happening to them. Uh, Players, you know, players being explained rules on the pitch, teams triggering team options without realizing that they're doing it. Like Mm -hmm. this happens a lot in, I think that a strategy, this, you could kind of identify a, a, a strategy of dealing with that is, well, we want somebody who is in the office and who knows the rules because they made the rules and they enforced the rules. Yeah. So often we hear agents be like, well, I don't understand how the rules work. <laughs> and boy, there seems to be lots of that going around right now. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's the, that's what, uh, that's what the crew gained with Bezpachenko and that's what Toronto attempts to retain in their replacement. Yeah, good bits of business for for both teams, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when you talk about this, when you talk about this, uh, uh, the the chaos rolling around, what are uh, to what are you referring? Well, so th- this is, I mean, we can let the listeners in on this. That really, there's just so much to talk about. We don't have a specific format here. This mm-hmm. is as much you and I catching up on all that's gone on in the last couple of weeks as uh, for anyone else. Mm-hmm. Interesting things that happened, I believe, um, at the... Was Breck Shea gone to Atlanta in our last episode? Has that been two weeks already? I think he may have just... Right, because Frank DeBoer just were, signed. So I think that had just happened. Or it was a rumor. It was a rumor last time. It was time, a rumor. But, yes. And now it's happened? Um, it, it has happened. Breck Shea... Um, so Atlanta United, the best team in MLS, has signed the best up-and-coming 2011 player in Breck Shea <laughs> to their squad, which I actually think it makes sense for them to add a little bit of depth in a position where they haven't had a ton of depth. Um, I think it might s- seem a little bit odd to think like, well, how do we have this sort of non-starter uh, at the Whitecaps become uh, a player on the best team in the league, but... Um, for Atlanta, you know, they've got the cash to carry a, a big squad and also, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily see him as a player that's going to factor heavily into, um, a playoff run next year, but certainly, uh, a decent player to have in the, in, that can play multiple positions. Um, and as a Whitecaps fan, I'm just glad to see him gone. Sorry, Breck Shea, but... That was a, a lot of money to pay for. I, I I still don't quite understand. I know there's a, a group of Whitecaps fans that really, for a variety of reasons, whether it, well, he wasn't deployed in the right position or wasn't used in the right way, that we didn't get what we could have out of him. But at the end of the day, I really think it's up to the player on the pitch to make the most of their opportunities. And despite a couple of glimmers here and there, really, we're talking about a massive amount of money for very little return. So... I think I I feel good in saying best of luck to Breck Shea, um, but farewell. I would almost I would almost be slightly more charitable in saying that I think that Breck Shea did the the role in which he was placed. You know he he did deliver on the expectations of him in the role that he was used. The problem is is that the role was not commensurate to the amount of money that he was being paid. Sure. And that being said, I, I don't see what other role you would put him in where he's going to all of a sudden excel 
and be a a, a breakout player for the Whitecaps. So <laughs> maybe um, maybe so, he just doesn't have a maybe he just doesn't have the same uh, wage budget. Maybe I, and quite possibly, I, I would imagine he probably took a bit of a salary hit if Atlanta was able to talk him down to go play for the the league champs. Not sure. Um, lots of rumors swirling around. Um, another big one that I was sort of, I was trying to catch up on last night and find out a bit more about today was that Albert Elise from Houston Dynamo has been linked to a number of clubs. I was hearing, uh, Celtic before in Scotland, uh, a couple of Turkish teams and, uh, and then I think... Is he going to come to Besiktas? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think Besiktas is one of the Turkish teams. No. Um, but then he also did an interview in Spanish, and I haven't been able to track down the interview, and my Spanish isn't that great, but where he's basically said that a deal is done or it's in the works, um, which apparently has come as a complete surprise to Houston front office, and uh, they're kind of finding themselves <laughs> in a bit of a sticky uh, Camilo-type situation where the player says they're gone, although... No club has announced his arrival. He hasn't necessarily posed with a New Jersey or anything, but seems like a pretty clear uh, marketing ploy from him and his agent to to really up his price or get a deal done. So there's what been a... talk of Kyoto going, but it seems like Elise, certainly this is one of those really unfortunate situations where even if he stays, you ask the question, well, like, well if he doesn't want to be there, what's that going to say? What What's his performance going to be like? So how do you get a player who doesn't want to be there off your payroll without also sacrificing a ton of money and getting what the player's worth. What a fun surprise to have. Um, I think that the, that always puts you in a, a strange situation in, and the thing that always sort of mystifies me is how um, clubs keep getting put in this position where, and, and, and maybe the fact that transfers are, sort of like the league has some responsibility for the transfer, the club has some responsibility for the transfer. Maybe that is it, and also just the far-flung destinations. So, it, I don't know, I, I don't, do you, does it seem that way to you? Like, clubs see, seem less aware of the deals agents are making for players around the world. I think so, yeah. And I, mean, I think you raise an interesting point um, that I, I think has to bear some... Uh, weight in this is that because the contract is ultimately owned by the league, um, I, d I don't know how those negotiations go down, but I, I think that has to factor into the team not always being aware of where their player is. or And it really does put you in a position where, and it happens in Europe too, where if a player goes to a place, does the medical and has a jersey on their back, they're doing that as a way to force a move. Um because, of course, ultimately we're still dealing in a, a large degree to the entertainment and celebrity business. And once the media is glommed onto, okay, this player has gone to this club, even if there's nothing on paper, no agreement in place, uh, as you know, as a club front office, you have a really big decision to make of what's the point in bringing a player back who doesn't want to be there? But also now, how are you going to negotiate with a team that basically is holding your player ransom. <laughs> yeah, it's a... I wonder if the... If it if FIFA just has to take a bigger role, because ultimately, a contracted player... Actually, no, I know the answer to this question. I don't know if it's true in the, in the Elise question. If, if it was a clear-cut matter of the player is under contract, 
um, it's tampering. That's just, mm-hmm. it's illegal. They shouldn't be doing it and it should be enforced. The, the sticky situation with Camilo, and I don't know if this is the case with Elise, is the matter of club options and player options. This little, yeah. this, this, this sort of half-life of, uh, maybe a player could officially leave or, you know, if they don't, you know, uh, the club could decide unilaterally to keep the player without having the player decide also they would like to stay. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that gets MLS into some trouble sometimes. Absolutely. So I've, I've got some, I mean, it's written information. I don't know how accurate it is here. But so it was on Honduran TV that Albert Elise went on to say that he's received an offer from a European club and he's just waiting for the Dynamo to call him and tell him they accept. But from what I've heard across the Twitterverse is that Houston Dynamo has apparently learned about this also from this interview. Oh, no. Um, and and it seems like, and I'm going to butcher the name, but Fenerbahce, is that Fenerbahce? Yeah, Fenerbahce, I think. Fenerbahce from the Turkish Super League. Yes. Apparently, yeah, Celtic was in the, the, runner, the running to make an offer around uh, close to 7 million, but now the talk is that it's it's going to be a Turkish side. So <clears throat> this is, it seems to happen every season. There's at least one of these where the want away player is trying to force their hand a little bit. And yeah, there's no real easy answer to this one other than it, it just puts the club in a really difficult spot. Um, and it certainly puts Houston Dynamo in a spot because they really haven't been crazy active in the transfer window no. uh, in, in the off season. And to lose one of their best players, I mean, they've made no... All the moves they've been making has been trying to plug some holes. Um, And it's likely that they did not have a plan in place to replace Elise. And if they're all of a sudden having to do that now on a much shorter timeline, they might be looking at having to spend uh, money that they don't necessarily have to spend on that. Now, did they lose their coach? I'm trying to remember... Uh, have they, did they, did they have to do a switch there or is their coach, uh, sticking around? I can't remember. I was thinking of this last night too. And then, uh, no, Wilmer Cabrera, I think there was some talk that he was leaving, but he's still there. Okay. All right. Um, well, I mean, like, I guess that puts him in a, in a slightly better position. Um, it's, it's weird because so much has already happened in the off season that it is easy to remember as we're uh, uh, as we're recording this um, that we're still only two days <coughs> away from the draft, mm-hmm. which means that we're uh, we're not far away. We're, the the window is not even open yet. It's true. It's uh, true. Is so. it true? Or wait, no. Or did it open on the the first? But in, in any case, we're we're still very early into. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm I'm literally What's hold, happening? I literally have an article <laughs> up that says like like a list of on MLS and a list of important dates that doesn't say when the window opens. <laughs> uh, oh, we need to get somebody from player relations. <laughs> Help us. Do they have anyone else that we can we can put on retainer? Um the Yeah, so so it's still pretty early, is my point. Yes. Um, clubs have already made a lot of moves, but they're still, uh, things are still going to be a lot different, I think, uh, come the first week of March than they are right now. Absolutely. 
Um, and I did, I did remember as well, because I was looking through the Houston Dynamo's news and rumors and stuff like that. I remember they did sign this Argentinian midfielder, Matias Vera, uh, 23-year-old, so great age, nice. great good pedigree, um, oh. coming from uh, O'Higgins in the Chilean Primera Division, obviously. Uh, great success from with South American players in MLS, so hopefully that's a good pickup for them, but... Um, this is kind of the theme right now is for as much movement as there's been with some teams, uh, others have been remarkably quiet, but of course it's that time of the off season where you go, they might just be gearing up to make a lot of changes. The other one that I wanted to, to move on to here is, um, FC Cincinnati continues to just be doing a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton yeah. of business. <laughs> Um, they haven't necessarily brought in a ton of other players since we last talked. However, uh, it was just announced tonight, just before we started recording, that the Philadelphia the Philadelphia Union have been given up to two hundred thousand in GAM from FC Cincinnati in turn for um, this Friday's Super Draft picks number 13, 29, 37, 61, and eighty five. And I believe FC Cincinnati Cincinnati is already carrying a number of pretty high up their draft picks, but of course, um, as the expansion side coming in. Now, there's talk that uh, what's going to happen here is that Alan Koch is going to trade away some of these draft picks, and certainly um, that gives them a lot of flexibility, and I imagine they're going to keep some, trade some. Uh-huh. But for me, for my money, FC Cincinnati has just been... I mean, it makes sense, of course, because they're building a roster. But remember, they were coming in with a league-winning roster and were able to keep a core group of players. Uh-huh. So they weren't starting from scratch. Um, but it's just been by far the most aggressive team uh, in the offseason so far, which I know sounds like an obvious, ridiculous statement to make, but is is a real signal of intentions. And I just sort of wonder... Um, like, obviously, the team has to play together, all be in the same place, and actually win games and p- play in a very competitive league. But I'm thinking FC Cincinnati is really in a good position to come out of the gates flying and really kind of shock some MLS opponents who are maybe used to seeing um, the days of yore where expansion sides came in and struggled or really took a while to find their footing. And it's interesting because for me, FC Cincinnati is doing everything that Minnesota United continues to not be doing in (laughs) making a very bold statement about building a certain culture and um, attracting talent, but also building things around a core group of young players that can build for the future. How do you sort of rate what FC Cincinnati's, first of all, their off season, but also looking ahead to the, the upcoming MLS season, where do you place FC Cincinnati in where they're going to compete? I think that this is the what you talk about in terms of them already kind of having a, a, a squad identity as they come in is being something that is somewhat rare among the, the USL to MLS or uh, the, the, the quote-unquote promoted uh, expansion sides in, in that – there is some con- there was some continuity with the Whitecaps and in, in and with Seattle and yeah that's true there was a little bit of, of of continuity but not much a lot of the the players that that played in the final years for Seattle and Vancouver were signed for that like were 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 signed for purpose in a mm-hmm. way like the, that last year was kind of a a sunk year for both teams um, 
and the, the 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 continuity is not exactly the same, but also both of them had a long lead up time, like a like a, like a very long run up uh, of or not very long, but just more than a year, you know, um, mm-hmm. where they had time to think about what their plan was uh, as as they moved through. But but Cincinnati not only has a much shorter you know, track to jump in. They feel very confident about what, what they're doing. Um, I love the, uh, the sort of the funny money trade. Uh, it reminds me a lot of when the Whitecaps did a, 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 a game for game trade and made up a version of their player graphic that just said that the player signing graphic that just said, welcome gam. And the picture was a sack of money. Um, <laughs> just always great to see that. Uh, the other yeah. big Cincinnati move that I was interested in um, is that they've signed Pamadu Ka as, a, as an assistant coach, former mm-hmm. Vancouver Whitecaps defender, um, thoroughly determined to become the 2015-2016 Vancouver Whitecaps. Hey, you know, it, it's getting it's getting harder and harder to not feel like uh, I, <laughs> I want to be... Uh, my East Coast team next year might be Cincinnati because... Boy, it's looking an awful lot like uh, the white caps of yore. I mean, like that's the thing about this about this break that's going on right now with under the new manager in, in Whitecaps land is that the old like and we've talked about this before, the old tree of thinking, the old set of staff, the old the the continuity is flowing to Cincinnati. The 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 Whitecaps management has completely changed everything at the top, and what was built before they made that change has moved pretty part and parcel elsewhere. Yeah, which is gonna which is gonna create an interesting scenario. Is that going to make, as you say, sort of like a happier like ah oh, this is like a like a, a sibling club sort of situation, or is that going to make rivalry? Because you know it's it's. I mean, one I don't the, think that. Sorry, I, I don't think they're going to play enough enough of each other to make it a real rivalry. But it is really kind of hard to not feel like, in some ways, it's sort of like a, a white caps of years gone by, but also kind of like a oh, what could have been. Uh-huh. Um, if I mean, I, I think Alan Koch was right to take the job in Cincinnati uh, for the USL side and and move on to that. But he's obviously proven his worth there. Um, proved his worth while he was in Vancouver as well. And he's obviously, I, I mean, I guess to take a step back, the thing to remember is it's not, this is not unusual for a coach to hire people that they are familiar working with. No. So Koch is hire. It's not just because they're white caps. It's because he used to be at the white caps and he's worked with Pamudika. He's worked with Kendall Waston. He's, he knows these players and he knows, uh, the, the people. So it, it does make sense. This is not unusual. Um, I think right now, at least from where I'm standing, it's hard not to to kind of look at it and be like, "Oh, oh, they got uh, him too." Okay, is that relatively speaking, the Whitecaps have been very, very quiet in the off season, a, a flurry of early appointments, but also <clears throat> seemingly, or maybe just hopefully, kind of depth signings, but not anybody you really imagine is going to be spending a ton of time on the first team outside of the the three goalkeepers that they signed. Uh-huh. So 
I think that's right now where <clears throat> um, uh, an article came out this week and MDS elaborated a little bit saying, you know, we got to be patient and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm beginning to, to kind of wonder, you know, like it, it, the, the types of signings that they've been looking at or bringing in when I'm hearing even the rumors, I'm going, this seems like an incredibly unambitious um, project. And I don't see how these are necessarily improvements over what just left. Now, they still have a lot of work to do and there's a lot of time left and they have a ton of money to play around with, especially in terms of what's available against their roster cap. Um, but so far, I, 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 really, I have to admit, I'm feeling kind of underwhelmed by the whole thing. And the latest rumor I'm hearing about is a possible signing of Kyle Laren. And the fact that people are excited by that really says to me how rock bottom Whitecaps fans' expectations of signings are to take a player that uh, was traded away for basically behavioral problems and has really had virtually no impact in in Turkey. Um, First of all, I think is money-wise probably not a likely transfer. But also, is that really... How is that an improvement? Uh, a player that's obviously hit a a lower point in their career. Um, and for what I would consider to be at least the same wages as Kai Kamara. <laughs> I hadn't heard about the Kyle Aaron stuff. And it, it, it's, it's hard to evaluate the two of them against each other. Both of them... Um, had a, had really strong scoring runs in past seasons. Um, both of them had had behavioral problems since True. those big saving <laughs> those big scoring runs. But we kind of like we we got over that hump, <laughs> you know. Sure. Like like yeah. like I think we were in a position where we could trust you know the player that we had. Um, maybe Marco Santos, the Whitecaps manager, was not a part of that, so he doesn't have that same trust. Um, mm-hmm. Tough to know. The I want to be optimistic about Kyle Aaron. Um, perhaps a uh, perhaps some time away has uh, has allowed him allowed him time to clear his head. Um, but uh, but that's kind of a question. Um, with well, the Whitecaps, I, I I think that with with those, with Marto Santos, I feel like he's building from the ground up in. And whatever a big, whatever his big move is, it feels like we haven't seen it yet. I th- I think that's true, and I think he's he's basically said as much. Um, I think part of me just naming my bias here too is that I I hadn't I heard this through a friend, and then I was able to actually find out and and see some quotes from Kai Kamara is that his trade was actually a big shock to him uh-huh. that because um, everything I sort of saw him post about seemed like he you know he was happy the deal was done and he got to Colorado and Kai Kamara and Kai Kamara fashion just embraced his new club and is trying to build some fanfare there around him. But I was surprised that he was surprised that to have a player have so much success at a club and, and really seem to be the solution to what has ailed us for so long. I mean, it was surprising to fans, but to, to be told, okay, you're coming in to do this job, to do that job well and have the backing of the fans and then to just kind of get the shock news that, oh, by the way, you're not going to be back. I would imagine that Mark Dos Santos has a plan for replacement, but boy, is it getting hard to uh, sort of be sitting on pins and needles wondering what the heck it's going to be. And 
is it going to be equal to or better than? And I think that's right now the question every fan has for every club is, is what we're getting better? Because every year the best clubs get better and better. And just bringing it, just hitting reset or bringing in uh, signings that are like, oh, okay, yeah, that could kind of work or he's all right. It, it just isn't good enough. And especially when you're looking at players that are uh, a little bit older or past their prime, I mean, you need people to come in and make some immediate impact to be able to build a group of players around that, not bring in a bunch of players and hope they're going to play well together. However, that's basically what Mark Dos Santos kind of said this week in the news is like, we, we don't want to rush things. We want to get the right players. We'll see who those right players are. I think that the, the pins and needles feeling that you talk about articulates um, an issue that I think is, is, is happening with the white caps. And that is, um, rebuild, you know, any team that's starting over can sometimes expect to have a rebuilding period, but mm-hmm. there really, I don't think is a lot of patience for that among the, the white cap support, um, yeah. because of the fact that the reset button has been hit on this team two or three times in the last two seasons. Yeah, exactly. So it's, and it's tough. It is, and and I think that Mark Dos Santos is is smart enough to be aware of that, to know um, that, you know, that's where fans are at. And ultimately, you know, they're professionals for a reason. There's a reason why fans don't get to make the signings. (laughs) That wouldn't necessarily be a better choice. Right. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think taking, sort of looking back and going, look, yeah, fans, just even in the MLS era, have had pretty long patience for the team and already seen this reset a number of times. And uh, I I just think that, it, I mean, it is what it is, but yeah, it's it's happened a couple of times already. And, you know, that, that big, that big money signing, that big name, whatever, or even just the promising young hope, whatever it is that will satiate us, if that's possible, just can't come soon enough. No, of course not. Um, one coach that has uh, one coach that has uh, lasted through a number of resets is Ben Olsen, who mm-hmm. apparently got a uh, um, got his, his deal renewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when you look at the fact that he's been there since two thousand and ten, uh, in a in an age where where uh, coaches don't get uh, it, it's pretty easy for a coach to get fired. Uh, DC was bad for a long period of that time. And, and mm-hmm. now you see it now, you know, it's, it's almost nice to see him sort of raise, uh, ride that wave back out of it into what could be a boom period for the team. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's <laughs> the total flip side of everything we just talked about is you got to have some patience sometimes, you know, <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be some ups and downs, but I think Ben Olsen's proven that, uh, when there's been downs, it hasn't been a um, because of a lack of vision or a lack of ability to communicate things to players on the field or having a plan. That's uh-huh. just kind of been the way things have gone. But as much as he might be responsible for some of those failures, he's also been largely responsible for those successes as well. Um, so I, I think there's the difference between 
having some down years where you're kind of mid to lower table versus being Chicago Fire where you just don't really seem to have a clue and and even with a bunch of signings and a lot of money spent still really seem to struggle whereas DC always seemed to be aiming for bigger things and and just trying to build it one brick at a time. Yeah, absolutely. The 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 recent, most recent brick that they acquired is Lucas Rodriguez who's uh, yeah. joined the Argentinian midfielder who joined on a year long loan from Estudiantes. Um, that is a big move for them. The thing that I really wanted to talk about with DC United, because everybody has questions about it, is this, this TV deal that they seem to have signed locally. Yeah, tell me more about this, because I sort of saw you tweeting about it last night, and then there was a bit of a news story about it today, but I can't really make heads or tails of it, and I don't really know what it is. So what is... What's happening with Flow Sports? So they were on a regional. They were on a regional channel. Uh, before that, they had been with NBC Sports for just their regional games. So these are not the games that are tele- televised nationally um, on uh, on Fox Sports, ESPN, and in the other deals that they have in the United States. They signed this deal with a company called Flow Sports, which. Uh, is known for broadcasting sort of like, hmm, they're known for really niche amateur sports, like amateur wrestling, swimming, track, uh, volleyball, etc. Like, you know, hosting NCAA streams and, and, and trying to become a, a revenue stream for that. So they are one of two, I guess, properties that have joined up as a part of that. It seems like if you get they're they're offering discounted subscriptions through the club, and even though they are you know a part of the Flow FC soccer service that's just starting up, it seems like you can only watch the DC United games if you're in the regional area. It seems like you can't like you and I. I don't think can subscribe to the service, although I could be wrong. Um, what there are two things that worry me, and and one point was made by Grant Wall of Sports Illustrated, and, and, and I agree, which is uh, the issue with streaming services when you're trying to expand your reach is if people mm-hmm. can't stumble on your games, <clears throat> especially right. in, in the regional zone, where as, as much as, you know, a, a regional Fox network doesn't get you too much, but, you know, you can catch those channels also happen to be pretty well, you know, circulated in the regional area, so somebody can click through it. Somebody has to make a real effort to go watch a game on a streaming service. Now, this is only the back, kind of the back half of the DC United schedule, so maybe that won't be as big of an issue. The other problem that I have, well, not problem, because uh, in addition to sort of the amateur business, they had a a, a real tumultuous experience with a service called Flow Slam, which was for professional wrestling. And the they launched with a big splash with the idea that they were going to transform the business by uh, they charged kind of twice as much as is what Flow FC is is uh, looks like it's going to charge. They charge like twenty bucks a month. And the idea was that they had signed up a big company, Evolve or the the WWN, and they were going to add. Who knows what kind of big companies in the future? So you signing up with them uh, would 
not only give you access to great content, but also they were like, oh, this is finally going to put revenue in the hands of these companies. Well, the long story short is the additional companies never came. Um, and there was a eventually legal issues around the type of the deal that they signed, which, which essentially amounted to uh, they alleged that they didn't get um, – I think they were expecting more customers than they ended up getting, mm-hmm. like a an, an unreasonable, like a like an amount that 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 company was not going to be able to provide on their own. There are some some legal issues with that. There are some allegations that happened as a result of that, and that service, you know, really uh, crashed and burned. Uh, I want to say a year and a half ago, in twenty seven, or it was in twenty seventeen, um, the. When that sort of like rose and, fu- uh, and fell and where the, where it bothers me is that this is not flow DC United. This is flow FC. And if you looked the last time that I looked, the other item that uh, lived with flow FC was the Copa Italia. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know that regional DC United mm-hmm. games and the Copa Italia make, make a, a, a streaming service that is going to draw attention. Um, and it could go well. I mean, there's a lot of other flow verticals that aren't flow slam and that did not collapse. Uh, so, so there's every possibility that it could work, but the, it's just a worrisome, the, the track record, that's the, the, the pro wrestling is the only thing I have the experience with, with flow slam or with, with flow sports. It didn't go well. Yeah, and I mean, the, the issue for fans is that with an increasingly fragmented media landscape, you know, at the end of the day, we just want to watch the games, whether it's out of market, in market, not, we don't care. We just want to be able to see our team on TV. But that often means that you've got to go to more than one place to do that. Uh-huh. Um, even if you do have cable, which, of course, many of us don't. Um, and it... it as you said, like if you're trying to gain exposure for it, I mean, this is not the kind of thing you're going to stumble across. This is the kind of thing where if you run a podcast, you're like, well, I guess I should probably find a way to watch some more games. Uh, what are my options here? And then you have to end up signing up for multiple things just to get coverage. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, and that's the thing. The 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 big issue with Floyd is the same issue in, in DC is the same issue. <clears throat> With DAZN, is that you you still can't uh, you still can't put all your eggs in one basket. In Canada, you still have to 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 plunk twenty. You still have to plunk twenty bucks down with DAZN, and then you got to turn around and plunk twenty bucks down with TSN if you want to see the whole schedule. Yeah, and I can't even remember my bloody password to DAZN. <laughs> Which, by the way, in my head, I always just called Dazen. I always thought it was Dazen, like amazing. And then I started no. actually using it. Well, I'm a big fan of uh, Kevin De Bruyne, so I've also just started calling it uh, Dezoin. <laughs> this is the issue with not having vowels, is that people can take, people can interpret it however they want. Just um, make a name that makes sense. Best of luck to, to, to DC United and Flow FC. It's possible that it will be, the, the back half of an MLS schedule is just the right kind of, of niche content. For uh, for that company, it's possible. 
and we'll we'll see how that works. And 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 if it grows, <coughs> if it's a success, and if you know they move on to another partner in two years, we'll know the results of that. Absolutely. While we're talking deals, I'm yes. just going to throw a hypothetical at you to talk about a news item that has been much talked about. So we don't have to go into great detail here. But I just want you to, you don't have to close your eyes, but close your eyes and pretend for a minute that you are, I'm glad you're closing your eyes, uh, that you're working in the front office of Newcastle United, the giants oh. of Northern England. <laughs> and you have a possibility of signing uh Hot young talent, South American, who's had incredible success in MLS by the name of Miguel Almiron. Yes. Hot off the heels of a championship win. Now, I know you can't put a price on talent, but how much per week would you be willing to pay for the services of a young player who, although great and has a, a great scoring and creating record in MLS, is as of yet untested in Europe in one of the most competitive leagues on the planet. What what would your price be for the services of this creative attacking mid? I am going to admit a certain amount of uh, lack of knowledge of European uh, and specifically English soccer economics, <laughs> specifically the per week system. But let's okay, just that, say that let's didn't just, work well. <laughs> let's just say no, no. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try and sort of you know. Um, I'm going to suggest that the amount of that I would treat from a budgeting perspective, I would move aggressively to acquire that player, but not so aggressively to, to make that a key piece or a franchise piece. Okay. Okay. So, uh, while I'm pulling up a, what I can I'm a crude comparison um, in terms of type of player, um, although arguably much better. So, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. This has worked out better than I thought. Sorry. This has been a very long convoluted way of trying to make a thing simpler. Yes. According to, apparently Almiron's representation is said to be seeking about a hundred thousand pounds per week for Miguel Almiron. Now that is not an unheard of sum per week for a player. In uh -huh. the Premier League. As an example, Kevin De Bruyne uh, is contracted until 2021 on a salary that's around 115000 a week. Now, there's a slight difference here in that Kevin De Bruyne is a much better player and is also a tested entity <laughs> and plays for one of the top clubs in Europe with the biggest checkbook. So, all of this to say, um, I think... Almiron might be back next year in Atlanta if that's the kind of money that uh, his rep representation is seeking overseas. Um, Almiron is a fantastic player, but uh, and apparently um, Real Betis is now in the the running as well to to sign him. I I don't know if that's exactly how much they were seeking, but a hundred thousand per week, and maybe he'll get it. But my goodness. That seems uh, real, a really high rating for a player that has not yet played in Europe. When you think of the, um, hmm, when you think of the the inevitability people have talked about 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 Almiron being scouted, uh, mm -hmm. I think you've always attached uh, a major team and a team that's playing in the Champions League. Um, 
to that inevitability. And maybe that's where kind of this money is coming from, with the idea that, like, you know, if somebody is going to come and, you know, get uh, Elmeron to move, mm-hmm. they're going to have to pay money to do it. Um, I would, when you when you look at the three names, you know, uh, Newcastle, Arsenal, and Batiste, I would leap at Arsenal before I would leap at the other two. Um, as a player. But Ars- Arsenal was another one of the clubs that apparently dropped out quite early on once they heard the asking price and the wage demands. Right. So I would have almost take that pay, you know, I would have advised a player to almost take that pay cut unless you want to do the thing where you jump into, you jump into a team, you prove your worth, then you get a headhunted once you're already in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of trying to get a lot of money from a lower tier, like a not a lower tier, but not one of the top, a mid tier uh, team in Europe is, you know, when this is where Batiste comes in, it's like, well, I guess you, if you want somebody to pay you a hundred thousand a week, you you ask somebody, and if they say no, you ask somebody else, and you do that over mm-hmm. and over again until you find somebody that does, and and in certainly Batiste is not at the top, you know on the radar of a lot of people. Um, I think that Almiron might do better in Spain because mm-hmm. the, as good as, as good as he is, right. I guess he played in MLS, so he's, he's used to a physical style, but mm-hmm. um, the question is of course, like how is he going to translate? And he's also what? used to getting a whistle every time a player comes runs past him. So, <clears throat> although yes, he's used to a physical league and is one of the league's most fouled players, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, um, I, I think it's fair to say, especially in the British context, is an untested player. That um, if those are the actual wage demands, I, I think they're, you know, they, is... they might need to temper some expectations for a, a valuation of a very fine player, but. You know, there's the top players. There's top players in all over top European clubs that aren't making that. That is are his, proven entities. Is his best is his best shot of success to get space of time. In that case, move to where whatever club wants to pay you. Is his best chance of success? And and this is not an insult to him. This is just you know describing the scenario in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Is his best chance of success having a talented teammate with whom he can link up with in that case uh, you want to go somewhere that has one of those yeah absolutely and uh yeah silly season carries on i suppose but my goodness the big cash demands and like i said who knows there may yet be a team out there that's uh that thinks that's an absolute song of a deal for them so we'll see Let's center. Let's center this on MLS for a second. To to, to beyond talking about his future future you know career uh, prospects. At what point do you, as Atlanta, need to kind of call time on like we're done here? If you move, if you choose to move now, we can't spend the money anyway. Mm-hmm. Like like what's the like how long does the representation? have from ML like if you're Atlanta how long do you let this go on before you say like stay or don't but make your decision 
Sure. Well, I would say right now he's he's under contract, isn't he? So I think that, <clears throat> I mean, Elmeron, I guess, is in the good position in that he is under contract. Uh, the team is doing well. So if nothing comes through, I don't think he's going to be too heartbroken to be playing another season with the league champions surrounded by talent. Um, but I feel like Atlanta United is still holding a lot of the chips on this one that they're just saying like, yeah, if you want our best player, uh, arguably maybe second best, but I think best player, you're going to be, you, we want top dollar for him. And I think that that's a smart move for a player that's under contract by all reasons is happy, but certainly looking abroad for other opportunities and wants to play in Europe. Um, but I, I would say they're probably going to have the familiar line of and until a trade happens to say they'll be expecting to see him at preseason. <laughs> Let's, uh, and I, I think that that's uh, one of the strengths that he has in this position that he, that his representatives can ask for that sort of wage demand is that he's happy where he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, some of the other small pieces um, that I'm seeing. Uh, impact uh, Deltoe Alejandro Silva out of the league. Yeah, uh, they have Maxi Arudi. It's fine. Um, the Club new... record for them now. For, they've got four million added to the coffers. Great. It's it's you know that that's going to be something. It's interesting to see how they take into the weekend. Um, the Montreal Impact uh, or no the Inter Miami Inter Miami have uh, gotten Orlando's uh, GM Budalik. I've oh, seen yeah. a lot of. I've seen a lot of people that are that know uh, the, from the Orlando side being like, "Oh, big decision you made there on that." <laughs> um, Orlando loaned Danilo Acosta from RSL, which is, you know, whatever happens with them, they are assembling a pretty good squad. So it's interesting to see how that works. Um, yeah, they they were kind of a, a a question mark that I had. I was I was kind of forgetting uh, what major moves they'd made and um yeah it still seems for the most part that everything looks okay on paper but uh haven't made a ton of major moves so there's still one that i'm i'm watching carefully for what could be the uh uh on the Canadian premier league side the pacific fc and victoria is is appealing to fans of the uh, second division Vancouver Whitecaps of yore um, by signing Marcus Haber, mm-hmm. um, who had played in Vancouver uh, and then wandered off uh, to St. Johnstone and Stevenage and Crew Alexandra and Dundee and Falkirk. And what I loved the most about this, uh, because, you know, you he came direct from Dundee. He had been on loan at Falkirk and then went back. Um, is all of the salty Scottish fans in the comments of Haber being announced as the big franchise signing for Pacific FC saying, This guy's trash! <laughs> oh, the Scottish fans. Bless them. Bless them all. Such kind and patient folk, my people. I I have positive memories of him, and so it's funny to have this 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 uh, clash of oh yeah he was pretty good too, waste of space, absolute passenger, just this. Uh, I hope he has a, a great time in in Canada. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, buddy. <laughs> welcome back. We're we're gonna be hopefully nicer to you. 
than the Scots were. Goodness me. Um, um, I don't think there's a ton else, is there? Be, uh, let's the... talk Geiger. Let's just say, let's say our goodbyes now. We've made it this far. No, that's um, true. That's true. We should go back to the beginning here and, and wish our good friend Mark Geiger well. Uh, I love that it was framed as sort of the his noted uh, World Cup appearance this year, which was, I believe, he refed one game and then was not allowed to ref any others. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be the director of match officials now for for the MLS referee arm, if I recall. Yes. Uh, Uh, 21-year career, come to an end, retiring from that to move on to uh, a higher position. I think we're all having a little bit of fun at his expense. Um, And, you know, a quote-unquote promotion versus a... uh, is that my thing? Oh, sorry. Something, a window started playing in my background. I thought it was yours. And I was like, turn that off. And then you're looking at me. That was mine. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's clear that they were looking for somebody with a ton of experience and Mark Geiger fit the bill. And I mean, what referee do we love that we're going to say, oh, great job appointing him. <laughs> that that is That is going to move. <laughs> the, the, the thing is with him, I think that he's always somebody that has offered stability. Um, I think that to the league, uh, from an employer perspective, that, you know, different fan bases, and certainly the Whitecaps are, are one, have always mm-hmm. had some challenges with him. And, and, you know, it's not any one thing. It's just a, a, there's a level of trust. And in, in when somebody acquires that reputation of the fact that he, he shows up on the, the score sheet, you say, oh, my God, it's this guy. Uh, or on the yeah. team sheet, um, the, his his issue more than anything else in, in you know uh, in the the Haller piece that we ref, uh, referenced here before, uh, everything comes back to the the twenty fifteen Gold Cup semifinal where with the two red cards um, that caused uh, a whole new audience to have issues with him. His strength and his weakness is that he's very confident in what he does, and most of the time. This makes him a reliable, sensible referee. Sometimes you look at what has happened and said, how can this be true? Yeah. And it oh, all you depends know, on what, 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 what side you're on. Oh, I just realized we didn't get him a going away red card. Oh, no. Oh, no. I forgot. Oh, oh well. Um, we, we'll have a whip around and we'll, we'll get everyone to sign the red card for him. <laughs> until uh until we have that uh that that red card procured where can we find you online you can find me online on twitter and instagram at that's so mls where can we find you you can find me on twitter at team bates www.team-bates.com i'm editor for howler magazine whatahowler.com you can find this podcast at that's so com on Apple Podcasts and wherever good podcasts are located. Tune in radio, all kinds of places. Yeah. Uh, and and the surprise that I have for you and Mark Iger is that I did get that red card. Don't get it off. 